text our scripture text today comes from the gospel of Matthew the gospel of Matthew the gospel of Matthew the 26th chapter the gospel of Matthew the 26th chapter the 17th verse 26th chapter and the 17th verse and it reads now on the first day of the feast of unleavened bread the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover and he said go into the city to such a man and say unto him the master said my time is at hand I will keep the Passover at thy disciples at thy house with my disciples 19 says and the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them and made ready the Passover now when the even was come he sat down with the twelve and as they did eat he said verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me the word of God is already blessed amen That wonderful name, 
trying to fill that wall up with legacy of members and friends of Ebenezer. And so if you want to participate in the Clouds of Witness Legacy Wall, please contact our church clerk and she will follow up with you with all the details. And I also want to say thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of myself, 
First Lady Pamela Person uh, for your graciousness. Uh, as we celebrated our second year here at Ebenezer, we are so grateful and we are still getting cards and letters and things of that sort. And we want you to know how much we appreciate you. And also want to say thank you to Minister Dana King uh, for standing in my stead last Sunday. Uh, he did a phenomenal job last, last Sunday. Uh, I don't, even though I was away, I don't miss uh, I watch and celebrate and worship with you, and he did a great job last Sunday. And I appreciate his heart and his spirit, uh, recognizing that God gives us this privilege to stand behind the sacred death, and we honor him for his faithfulness to that end. Also, I want to share some news with members of Ebenezer. You know, we have been designated and have been designated for years as the birthplace of gospel music. We have a national designation or about to get a national designation uh, to that effect. Well, while I was on vacation, I received a call from one of my college roommates who lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and was traveling to Nashville, Tennessee. And when he was in Nashville, Tennessee, he had an opportunity, Ebenezer, listen to me, to visit the brand new National Museum of African American Music. The brand new National Museum of African American Music. And he was walking through this museum and he stumbled upon this beautiful display of what history denotes as the birthplace of gospel music. And at this display, he saw a picture of the Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church in this brand new museum. And he took a picture and he filmed it for me and he stumbled upon it and he said, my brother pastors that church in Chicago. He used to tell me about this being the birthplace of gospel music and he saw that and he took a picture of it. And so I was so, so, so excited to hear that and to see that. So you know what we're going to do, Ebenezer, when we get past this pandemic season, we're going to take a trip to Nashville, Tennessee, and we're going to go see for ourselves and celebrate for ourselves the birthplace of gospel music here at Ebenezer. So I was so excited to hear about that and for someone to randomly share that with me. And I was so excited to get that. I wanted to get it back to Ebenezer. So, again, stay tuned for details. I know some people might even go down there a little early because the museum is open. But we are in the history books. And we're celebrating what we have done. But more importantly, we're going to celebrate what we are doing and what God will do through us here at Ebenezer. I also want to say thank you to... Uh, my brilliant and talented and beautiful first lady, the first lady of this church, Dr. Pamela Person, for her incredible interview on TTLO Radio last Monday. We are still getting calls from people who were really uh, blessed by that interview. If you have not already seen it, go to our webpage and you can 
re-look uh, at that on YouTube or our Facebook Live page. It talks about uh, the coronavirus and the latest information and news that is out there. And so we have gotten phone calls from people that we didn't even expect that said and asked her, when are you going to do something else? Because we need that information in our community. So Dr. Pamela uh, is working on that to see if she can be used by God with her gifts uh, as it relates to health uh, within our community. So thank you for the awesome job that you did. And thank you to Minister King and the TTLO Radio and the producer, Sister King, uh, uh, Latanya, for the great work that you did. Amen. Amen. Well, it's Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, and we're here to celebrate as we begin this Passion Week. This week, as Jesus goes towards the cross, let us gather in closely as we worship together this Palm Sunday. At this time, our music ministry will lead us in worship. Comes to wipe our tears away. Even now, the throng to welcome him prepare. Join all and sing his name declare. Let every voice resound with acclamation. Hosanna, praise ye the Lord, bless him who cometh to bring us salvation. His word goes forth, and people by its might once more regain freedom from degradation. Humanity does give to each his right, while those in darkness find restored to life. Join all and sing his name declare. Let every voice resound with 
time of our worship experience it's time for giving amen it's time for giving we praise God for the opportunity to sow into the work of ministry here at Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church there are three ways that you can give you can give with the app uh, text to give or you can mail your gifts in to Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church, 4501 South Vincennes Avenue. Or you can go to our website and you can go to the give button and you can give that way. As you are giving, I want to make mention that uh, for those, for our members uh, and friends that like to have an Easter lily placed on our rostrum as a memorial or a celebration of a loved one, you can go to our website and you can make a donation of $20 for the Easter lily. If you are here and you want to do that, you can do that as well. For our members that would like to have a Easter lily, we invite you to contact the church. Contact our church clerk so that you can have a lily on the, on the rostrum Easter Sunday morning in memory of or in celebration of a loved one or an event. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we're thankful for this opportunity to be able to give. 
We have because we give, and we give because we have. We know, oh God, that the, that the tithes we give is the debt we owe, and the offerings we give are seeds that we are sowing. Lord, bless these gifts for your glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Holy, holy, Lord God, Almighty, holy, holy. Lord God, Almighty, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Oh, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Oh, holy and your name, omnipotent, glorious, holy is your name. Holy, holy, Lord God, almighty. Holy, 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 mm-hmm, Lord God, he is almighty, all heaven and earth are full of your glory, all heaven and earth are full of your glory, oh holy and righteous is your name, omnipotent, glorious, holy is your
At this time of our worship, we invite you to join with us for altar call. Our list is lengthy, as many have called in and requested prayer. And I believe that that's a testament and a testimony of people understanding the power of prayer. Despite what's going on in and around your lives, despite what sickness or grief that you are experiencing, we are a people that recognizes that there is power in prayer. Today we are lifting up the family of Deacon Shed Cooper. Sister Juanita Cooper and Gail Cooper and Sheldon and the entire Cooper family. We are lifting them right now, asking God to comfort them and to sustain them during this challenging, challenging season. We celebrate the life of Deacon Shed Cooper, a wonderful servant of God. Remembering in prayer many pegs, Janie Burns, we are still interceding on behalf of Brother Kenneth Sexton and Shirley Anderson and Mary Sumter. We are interceding on behalf of Deacon James Smith, who was on Sunday school this morning, and Reverend Mary Alice Gray Grant, who is back home from a lengthy illness. We're lifting up Mary Alexander, Sarah Phillips, Mary Burton, and Al Bert Burton. We're lifting up Bernetta Pearson and David Pearson. We're lifting up the Briscoes. We're lifting up those who are suffering right now from depression and anxiety. We're remembering the son of Phyllis Wofford and the son of Doris Sims. We're remembering so many people. Those are names that we do have. Those are names that have been spoken, but they are unspoken names. And we recognize and realize that God sees all and hears all. And so we go to God in prayer right now. Eternal God, our Father, we lift these names before you today. God, there's so much hurt and so much anxiety and so much pain that's going on right now, oh God, in their lives. Some, God, are on the brink of losing hope. But God, we are looking to the hills from whence cometh our help. Because we realize that our help cometh from the Lord. And so God, we ask right now that you would go into those hospital rooms, into the 
sick rooms right now, oh God, and touch in the name of Jesus. God, we know you to be a great physician. We know you to be a healer. And we know you to be a comforter. God, whatever your children stand in need of right now, we ask in the name of Jesus that you will meet every need, that you would calm every fear, and that you would heal every broken heart right now. God, we're lifting up our church today. We're lifting up our members today, oh God, those who have pressed their way to the house of prayer. They've pressed their way with their mask on their face. They have pressed their way, oh God, through, through pandemic just to sit and be in the house of the Lord. God, we say thank you. And for those, oh God, who are watching from at, at home, oh God, we ask you right now that you would touch them, that you would lift them up. God, we're lifting up every church that's opened in your name. We're lifting up pastors right now who have for over a year had to move and do traffic in an environment that none of us ever anticipated. We thank you, O oh God, that you kept us thus far and that you kept us together. Lord, we recognize that this season is not yet over. And so, God, we ask that you help us to continue to be safe and to be wise and to be prudent. God, we ask thy blessings upon the balance of this service. Asking, oh God, that you would give your humble servant power to preach. That someone, oh God, will hear a sustaining word, that will hear an uplifting word, that will cause someone to go on to see what the end will be. God, you are worthy. God, you're so worthy to be praised. God, you're so worthy, and we have gratitude and thanksgiving in our hearts and upon our lips. Is there a witness in the house? God, you're worthy. You're worthy to be praised. And we praise you right now. We praise you right now. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name. In all the earth, you're excellent, God. You're worthy, God. We love you, God, today. And we ask and beseech you right now to have your way in our lives. And we'll be ever so careful to give you the praise and to give you the honor and the glory which belongs to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. 
According to Matthew, the 26th chapter, reading from the 17th verse. Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare? What, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, assuredly, I say to you, One of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The son of man 
indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, you have said it. The word of God for the people of God and all of God's people said, amen. I want to speak from the subject that I believe all of us can get behind. And it's a question. Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? So that we all can participate in this sermonic delivery. Repeat with me so I don't miss you. Lord, is it I? The purpose of what we do ultimately here in the church is to help bring us each to our full growth as children of God. Anything said and anything done here which will help us in reaching our full development in Jesus Christ is in order. Anything done or said which stunts our growth, however, or impedes our way in rising to the statue of the fullness of Christ is out of place and counterproductive. And so, beloved, it is critical. It is necessary to be challenged by the word of God. And it's also important for us to have constant and regular reflection to ascertain whether we are in the will of God. That's why the Lenten season is so critical, because just as Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness denying himself where he engaged in reflection and prayer and meditation, we too must do the same. For Psalms 119 and 15 says, meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. In a sense, we are called to stand before the spiritual mirror of honesty and truth and see what is reflected there. Jesus was sitting down after the Passover with his beloved disciples. He had been on a tremendous journey as he ministered in and around Jerusalem. Now he was on the final leg of his ministerial race that would find its culmination on the cross of Calvary. Jesus was experiencing an intimate time with his disciples, for this would be their last time, their last meal with one another. And you would think that with the last meal, Jesus would be focusing on many things. Perhaps he had concerns about how the work and the movement of Christianity would progress in the hands of his disciples. Perhaps he was drawn to some personal thoughts and reflections about the well-being of his mother. What would become of her when he was gone? 
We do not know for sure, but what we do know is that he was feeling some kind of way. He was feeling some sort of consternation that one of his very own disciples would turn against him. It's right there in the word. Now, as they were eating, he said, assuredly, we do, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Lord, is it I? One would betray him, one that he loved would undermine his work that he had begun. And I don't know about you, but that is one of the most painful and hurtful things to experience it, to be betrayed by family or close friends or associates. Oh, you can take it and accept it coming from a rival or an opponent, or an adversary, but, but to get done in by one who knew you when you were just starting out, to, to be done in by one who was there when the crowd was not there yet, is profoundly painful. So at the table, they sat, preparing to commune with one another one last time. You know, there are not a lot of commentary that center around Judas. Judas really isn't good preaching material. Not much discussion about Judas Iscariot when you look at what transpired on that day. Here is a beloved disciple. Here is a disciple who had been with Jesus over the long haul. A disciple that had experienced the joys and the failures, the excitement and the adulation of what was a phenomenal ministry. One who was there on the ground floor. Besides, to betray him. One who was there and in on the decision-making process. One who was there at the prayer meetings. One who was as a part of the inner circle of Jesus. One who he had known intimately decides to betray him. When we look at a profile of Judas, we have to admit he was a member in good standing. He was a part of a good group of people. Judas was counted as one of the original 12 disciples, one of the founders, if you would. If anyone had insight of Jesus, that anyone would have known the challenges and the difficult days of Jesus, it would have been one of the 12. And I should say parenthetically that this is a lesson on whom you should surround yourself with. What more of an elite company can you have? Everywhere he went, he was known as one of the 12. What an amazing calling card to have. He was, he was who's who among who's who. And I am certain that he did not, he did contribute in very positive ways. But after all, he spent three years with Jesus. He was in close proximity to Jesus. As an, a disciple, he was almost always with Jesus. Here was a man that saw up front 
the power of Jesus in other people's lives. Here was a man that saw him uh, uh, minister to the woman at the well. We, here was a man that was there when Jesus changed the water into wine. He was there when they, Jesus healed the paralytic at Bethesda. He was there when for the healing of the royal's official son at Capernaum. He was there when Jesus fed the 5,000. He was there up front when Jesus was walking on the water and he healed the blind man from birth. Judas was there. Judas heard the wonderful words of Jesus. Yet, he did not believe. So many of us, so many of us are in similar situations. We have seen the power of Christ. We have experienced the glory of God. We have experienced his miracle working power in our lives and in the lives of others. We have been privy to the amazing gift of the church and its impact in our communities and our homes. We have been exposed to the gospel in our worship and our study, just like Judas. Judas was exposed to so much he had tremendous access. Beloved, this is important. I have found that whenever we read Scripture, none of us identify with Judas. In fact, many of us don't identify with any negative character in any movie or story or drama that we might encounter. We, we steer clear of the negativity of those who are villains, those who undermine. Can I see some real honest folk this morning? Those who betray because none of us believe it's possible for us to be that one, that one that would stab a neighbor in the back, to be that one to undermine the work of ministry, to be that one to betray the Savior of the world. I see I can't get no help here this morning. None of us are that guy or that girl. But I venture to say today as we celebrate Palm Sunday that that Judas Iscariot probably didn't think going in that he would do what he did. After all, when you look at Judas Iscariot, he signed on early to be one of the disciples. And I believe that he was filled with enthusiasm. I believe he was excited for the opportunity to be a part of the upstart Christian movement when Jesus started his ministry. But somewhere along the way, he will be a disappointing figure in the great drama of this Christian story. You see, so many of us start off with great promise and great potential. So many of us start off with great possibility, but somewhere along the way, we lose perspective and allow our human pride to co-op our sacred opportunities. So what happened? 
What happened? What lessons can we learn from Judas on this Palm Sunday? Can we really be bold enough and honest enough to ask the question that the disciples ask, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, am I an asset or a liability to kingdom building? Lord, am I, Lord, am I in your will or in someone else's? Lord, am I hurting the ministry or undermining the ministry? Lord, am I blessing or am I cursing? Lord, am I helping or am I hindering? Lord, am I reaching out or Lord, am I reaching in? Lord, am I encouraging or Lord, am I discouraging? Lord, is it I? What motivates people? Is it greed? Is it power? Is it influence? What, what motivates people to change horses midstream? What, what motivates people to switch teams in the middle of the game? What motivates people whom for all their lives they embrace light, but for the price of 30 pieces of silver, now embraces darkness. Perhaps we can ask Robert Hansen, the former disgraced FBI agent who, for the lure of $1.4 million, sold U.S. secrets to the Russians, which set our nation's national security back decades. Perhaps we could read the story and ask Brutus, what was it, what was it in for him that caused him to participate in the murder plot against his uncle Julius Caesar. Perhaps we could ask General Benedict Arnold, was it power that caused you to portray West Point to the British? How did Judas fall out with Jesus? Perhaps Jesus wasn't what he expected him to be. Because Jesus shatters all expectations of what the Messiah is supposed to be. We have to learn that we can't put Jesus in a comfortable box and think he will just stay there within our parameters. I have learned some things. You know, sometimes as long as you do what I say, and conform yourself in the manner I think is appropriate. People are with you. You good with me. But when you begin to talk about denying oneself and taking up a cross, when you start talking about turning the other cheek, when you start talking about loving your enemies, and on top of that, pray for them too. But when you start preaching and teaching and doing things that upsets my perspective or how things, how things are supposed to go, then I have a problem with you. Then I see you differently. You see, Judas' motivations changed. Lord, is it I? Palm Sunday is a Sunday of uncertainty. 
the springtime of sorrows. There is a parade of palms on the one hand and a spectacle of cynicism on the other. We may think we are observing all this from a distance, but the truth is that every one of us is standing in that same crowd right now. And each of us is, is either the crowd that greets him or the mob that beats him. Lord, is it I. In a very real sense, that's what Palm Sunday is about. It seeks to instruct us what happens with the crowd on one week can turn to at the end of the week. That same crowd, when Jesus rolled into Jerusalem, was shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. But in less than a week, they would shout, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. I believe that as they started the week, they would have never guessed that they would be in the crowd that would call for his execution. They never thought that they would be in the crowd that would call upon his demise, but there they were. The very ones who were with him have now turned their backs on him. For it is clear that nobody wanted Jesus at the end of the week. The Romans didn't want him because he threatened their power. The religious leaders didn't want him. He questioned their authority. The Zayats didn't want him. He won't lead a revolt. The crowd doesn't want him. They yell for his crucifixion. His own friends didn't want him. They deserted him in the end. And some of us don't want him because he cramps our lifestyle. Somehow, even those of us who claim we love him find ourselves wanting to turn from him. We want to turn from his call to forgive. We want to turn from his command to love our enemies. We want to turn from his requirement to serve the poor. It all seems just too much to expect of us. Prior to the week of passion, as we witness the ministry of Jesus as he healed the sick, Raise the dead. It's easier to follow and easier to swallow. His Galilee preaching was so clear and so powerful. He drew the people in with his healing as he taught and moved among the people speaking of justice. But now we hardly recognize him because now he places demands on our lives that we did not anticipate. This Palm Star Sunday story is a lesson for us that we better be careful. We may look like Christians today. We might be at the table, the communion table on Sunday. We might speak disciple language, but what about tomorrow? When nobody is looking, will we be shouting Hosanna to our Christ? Or will our actions reflect a denial of everything he stands for? Will our responses be similar to that of Peter? When he was identified as a disciple, three times it was said he was one of Jesus' disciples. And three times he denied him. Lord, is it I? Finally, beloved, we must understand that there is a dreadful price to pay when we miss the mark for the cause of Christ. I wonder this morning if you were honest if you could answer this question, have you ever done anything you've regretted? 
if you've ever said, if only, or if you've spent any time in the land of woulda, coulda, shoulda, then you probably have some regrets. I believe there is no pain like the pain of regret. We see in the scripture that Judas was consumed with regret and guilt. Somewhere after a moment of clarity and conviction, Judas regretted his actions. He regretted betraying innocent blood. He regretted letting his carnal nature rule so much of his life. He regretted not being able to see the warning signs. He regretted that he did not realize it until it was too late. Somewhere along the way, Judas realized the gravity of his error. Somewhere he realized what he had done. He realized that Jesus never struck a sour note. He realized that Jesus never made a wrong step, never replaced doctrine with doing. He realized that Jesus turned speech into service. In him, he realized was no taint of sin, no suspicion of selfishness, no insinuation of an unholy aim. He was guilty of nothing wrong, ashamed of nothing he did, regretted nothing he said. He never knew the humiliation of a moral fall. Christ was absolutely sinless in thought, in word, in deed, in life, and in death. When you are a child of God, you are living in his will, some things we will never have to regret. There are things we don't ever have to regret doing, but the irony is that Satan will try to get us to regret it. But let me tell you something, beloved, you never have to regret being saved. The enemy would have you believe his lie that you don't need Jesus and you can save yourself. But the truth, however, is that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Satan will also try to convince you that you made a mistake by trusting in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. He wants you to think you've lost something good when you turn to Jesus. He wants you to regret giving control of your life over to Jesus. You never have to regret showing love. For love is the greatest thing we can show to a person. Although sometimes when the love is not reciprocated, the enemy wants us to regret it. But 1 Corinthians 13 and 8 says, love never fails. For there's no regret in love. There's only regret in failing to show love. Living a life of no regrets doesn't mean living a life with no mistakes. It's what we do as a result of those mistakes that determine whether or not we will live with regret. When we have godly sorrow and repent and embrace God's grace, we can move from regret to rejoicing. And we can have peace of mind and no regrets when we do the right thing. Somewhere along the way, Judas was convicted by his guilt and condemned by his betrayal, and in his sense of profound regret, and in a sense of deep dismay, it led him to his own destruction. 
And I submit to you today, when we ask the question, is it I? Or when we come to understand that we are outside the will of God, I want you to know that there is still hope. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Because if you are alive, there is hope. The God that we serve will give us another opportunity if we seek it. If we would just repent. If we would turn and seek God's face. I will not hint it. I will say it boldly that the old pursuing persistent love of God has not given up on you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus left Palm Sunday and headed on his way towards Calvary's cross, the place where he declares in his own death that it's not over yet. The sand has not run out there in the darkness of Calvary. God made a profound statement. It is that a way has been opened because, beloved, Calvary is the heel of another chance. Do you hear what I'm saying? Uh, the mount of a new beginning where the love of God goes all the way for us people and our salvation. The downfall of this disciple and the fickleness of the crowd lets us know that any of us, either of us, can portray the work of God. We can portray him with our actions. Uh, we can portray him with our attitudes. Uh, we can portray him with our hubris. Uh, if you are not careful, you can begin the week in solidarity with Christ uh, and then turn around at the end of the week uh, in opposition to Christ. Uh, can you see them, church? Uh, the crowd had assembled. Uh, they were standing there with eager anticipation as they awaited the Son of God. Some had seen, uh, others have heard uh, what Jesus was all about. Uh, and on that day of pageantry, as our Lord entered into Jerusalem on the humblest of animals uh, and amidst the soaring hosannas uh, of a great mass of people waving palm branches, as the Savior's vision beholds uh, the faces in the crowd, there Jesus sees them. Uh, he sees it all. Uh, he sees the pain uh, and he sees the pleasure. He sees the bright friendships uh, and the ugly cruelty. Jesus sees it all. But Jesus keeps moving forward. Uh, he keeps moving onward uh, towards Calvary's cross. Uh, can you see him uh, looking across the river ravine of Petron? Jesus beholds the city uh, with its missed opportunities, uh, its pretense towards love of God. He sees what might have been, but thanks be to God today. Jesus is not deterred. He is determined uh, to finish the race, uh, though he knew a disciple would betray him, another would deny him, and others were still scattered, uh, and many more would let him down, though he knew there would be disappointment shame and tears uh, he kept on moving uh, yes he did towards his destiny 
but I'm so glad he kept moving towards the cross. Are you in that crowd this morning? Look at the crowd. Are you there? I'm glad he kept on moving. Somebody said, ride on, King Jesus. No man, no disciple, no crowd can hinder you. Ride on, King Jesus. No man can hinder you. Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? The word of God for the people of God and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. We're going to open the doors of the church. Perhaps there's someone here or someone on streaming live that would like to give their life to the Lord. We're extending an invitation to you right now. And if you're not in this physical space, all you need to do is send us your email. One of the members of our staff will follow up with you with your to get your information we're opening the doors of the church is there one now is the appointed time now is the appointed time to give your life to the Lord give me a clean heart Give me a clean heart. That's the prayer you say after you ask the question, Lord, is it I? Oh, I can't get no help up in here. Is there one? Honda Accord license plate C. No? Okay. Taken care of. Praise the Lord. Keep going. Give me a clean yes. heart. Yes, yes. So I may serve Lord, fix my heart so that I Maybe you 
Sunday story for this opportunity to begin to begin Holy Week. These palms, when you take them, and we will have some here left at the church if you want to pick them up on Tuesday, you can do that for those who are here. In fact, I'm going to ask Deacon Mayberry and Deacon Hill to come down and distribute to those who are here the palms, the palms. And when you have and hold these palms, these recognize, these represent for us those who were in the crowd, who were waving palms of victory as they celebrated the Christ. They shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Give me a clean heart. Amen. You can get deep from this side, Deacon. Let's just go together. Let's go together. Give me a clean heart. Hallelujah. Fix my heart. Hallelujah. So that I may be you. Used by these, these palms, these palms. Oh, I'm not taken from a tree. Taken from a tree. Of all Used to adore and show adulation. To the Savior. But a week later, these palms would be transformed into a cross. Yes. A cross. A symbol of suffering and shame. He would hang on that cross for you and for me. So as you wave <laughs> these palms, I'm not recognize for the proud what Jesus the Christ would endure for you and for me. Amen. Amen. Please, Lord. As we prepare to depart, we want to make a few a clean quick announcements. Give me a clean heart. Amen. And I'll follow thee. Amen. 
Amen. If you are planning to be in worship with us next Sunday, Easter Sunday, please remember the protocols that we have are adhering to. I'm up. Every person that enters our church will need to be uh, temperature checked. Uh, We have touchless temperature checks, so you don't have to worry about that. We invite you to wear your mask uh, because it is mandatory, and we will be practicing social distancing. Please here adhere to the guidance of our ushers and our deacons who are providing guidance to you for next Sunday. We also encourage you to take the vaccine if you haven't already done so. And that will ensure even the more your safety. During this week, we will be in prayer. We will not be having Bible study this week. I invite you just at the 6.15 hour just to stop and pause wherever you are and that we would have corporate prayer wherever you are. won't be a call in. That you would just pray for your church. Pray for God's people. Pray for your pastor as we prepare for this solemn time of the passion of Christ. This is the most important time of the year for those of us who follow Jesus Christ. It's more than watching the Ten Commandments on Saturday night. It's more than that. It's about what he did for you and for me. We invite you now to stand. Sister Taylor, is your son still running? Okay. Amen. Let's continue to pray for the sick among us. Remember to be kind to one another. Remember that we at Ebenezer are the birthplace of gospel music as we move from maintenance to ministry. Let us look to the hills from whence cometh our help. And now unto him who is able to keep us from falling to present us before his Father with exceedingly great joy. To the all-wise God be dominion and power, honor, and glory, now, henceforth, and forevermore. Amen and amen.
takes over, Susan, if we're all kind of, you know, anchored, anchored in the right spirit. I think we were all the right uh, concept, not like Judas's, you know. All of us had the same, you know, yeah.